go ahead and open our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter number 18. 2 Kings 18. It is a privilege to be able to open God's Word, to be able to read for ourselves what it says, and to be able to have the Word of God speak to our hearts. That is what we need. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet out of reverence for the reading of God's Word, 2 Kings chapter number 18. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1, but before I read the first word, let's understand that Israel had been far away from the Lord, and there is a 25-year-old young king who is about to take the throne. Chapter number 18 of 2 Kings. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves. And he break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Neheshton. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any man that were, that were before him. For he clave to the Lord. And departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him. And he prospered whithersoever he went forth. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. He smote the Philistines even unto Gaza in the borders thereof, from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city. Father, I pray that you would help me now in this space of time. Father, that you would... Hold captive my thoughts, that it would be only to this message in the hearts of your people. Lord, I pray that you would empty me of my flesh, that I would not be driven by it, but instead that I would be overthrown by your spirit, and Father, that it would be the words of your mouth that would come to mind. Father, I pray that you would stir my heart in the same way you desire to stir the heart of your people Father, I ask for your help. Lord, these are your people, not mine. Lord, I pray that you would remove every distraction of Satan. And Father, that you would speak to us this morning. And I beg you, Lord, to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I would like to preach on the topic... Of what we need when opportunity arises. Opportunity. The reality is that we have opportunity every single day. Opportunity to be a witness. Opportunity to share His Word. Opportunity to be an example of faithfulness in this world. Oftentimes we get discouraged in our opportunity... 
Sometimes because we don't recognize it for what it truly is. And sometimes because our attention is so distracted on all the things that are going wrong. All the things that are in opposition against us. My heart is grieved right now. Of those who saw opposition against them. And I fear Miss Opportunity. Here in this text, the Bible describes when this takes place, that it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel. That Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, another wicked king, that he came to reign. No doubt there is great opposition here because all of Israel, all of the southern kingdom as well as the northern kingdom was completely opposed to the work of God. Completely opposed to it. In the northern kingdom, the kingdom referred to in verse number one as the kingdom of Israel, they were so opposed to the work of God that by God's chastening hand, he brought an entire army from Assyria and absolutely obliterated them, overthrew them, wiped them out. He removed their king from his kingdom and brought judgment and captivity upon those people. And on this stage, this 25-year-old kid steps on the throne of the kingdom just to the south. And where's Assyria going next? They're going to turn the full force of their empire south. Every soldier, every chariot, every horseman, every bow and arrow is about to place its crosshairs on this city, the city of Jerusalem, and on this kid, 25 years old. His family lineage was against him. Ahaz, his father, was steeped in rebellion and paganism and no doubt invested nothing into the life of his son in terms of godliness. But with all that being said, Hezekiah had an opportunity. He had an opportunity in his inexperience. He had an opportunity in his adversity to step onto the throne and do something in Israel that had not been done in a very, very long time. He had opportunity given to him by God that the nation might see the goodness of God, that the nation might be revived once again. And the reality is, even though you and I are not sitting on a throne in Israel, and some of you are way older than 25, some of you are not yet 25, I would say there's a great many of us that wish we were 25. <laughs> Here we sit, nonetheless. I don't want to be 25. I want to be 40. <laughs> I really do. Nonetheless, we sit here with opportunity. Before I go into these observations from the text, could I just do this and try to help open our eyes to the opportunity that's in front of us. Some of us, we have homes and the opportunity to, to lead children. 
And by the way, that is indeed what we are supposed to be doing, leading them. That is a major role in parenting. Yes, parents, we have authority over them, but rules without relationships result in rebellion, the great Pastor Shetler always said. And sometimes we implement the rules of our home without a genuine relationship with our kids. And kids, if you're listening, if you think that that is an excuse for rebellion, it's not. Rebellion in and of itself, rebellion against parents is not something the Lord sanctions. Are you listening? Can I get an amen from the front row? All right. (laughs) No, y'all aren't on the front row, but you, you know what I'm saying? Parents, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to lead your kids. You have an opportunity to set an example in front of your children. It's right there in our families. Children, by the way, you have an opportunity. Did you know that when the Holy Spirit inspired and preserved His Word and gave it to you, He did not write a kid's version of the Bible and then an adult version of the Bible. No, He wrote the Word of God for all men. And it is your God and your opportunity, children, just as it is your parents. Here we have opportunity in our family. We have opportunity with our influence. There are more people alive on this world today than have ever lived on the earth at one period of time. I don't know if this is true or not, but I once heard a man say that there are more people alive on the earth than have ever lived. I haven't done the math and that doesn't seem probable, but I will say this, that we have more relationships, more opportunity, more opportunity for influence than ever before. And what an opportunity. Everybody seems to be looking for help. Everybody's looking for help. They're looking for help with their relationships. They're looking for help um, with their physical infirmities. They're looking for help with their anxiety. They're looking for help with their uh, depression. They're looking for help that they might be accepted. And in this is is a great deal of opportunity. But Hezekiah would have been completely fruitless if he didn't have the things that were needed when opportunity arose. He did not have some, some placebo effects tablet to give to some kids that was, that was sick just for a greater psychological advantage, but instead he had what was needed. He had something that everyone was missing and it was by his leadership that he brought them to it. And I want you to notice the same thing needs to be true in our lives, that when opportunity arises, we need to be equipped with what needed. First off, I want you to notice this, that if you are going to take advantage when opportunity arises, you need, first off, something that is real. You do not need something that is fake. You do not need some manufactured emotionalism. You do not need just some encouraging word, but you need a relationship with the Lord. 
And it seems to me that this is the very first thing that Hezekiah realized. He realized that and he could distinguish between what was real and what was phony, what was fake. When we come to verse number uh, two, we read this, that 25 years old was he uh, when he began to reign. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. Uh, when we come to verse number three, one of the first things that it says about him when he stepped onto that throne is that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And what was that right thing that he did? In verse number four, he begins by removing the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and he break in pieces this brazen serpent. I like to start with that serpent for just a moment. Because that serpent is an interesting artifact, if you will. In verse number four, we, we read this phrase that he break in pieces the brazen serpent, listen carefully, that Moses had made. Now remember the story, right? You remember the story how uh, there were serpents that were in the camp and, and they were biting, these venomous serpents were biting those uh, within the, the nation of Israel there as they were in the wilderness. And God commanded Moses to do something, uh, to make a, a brazen serpent, to take a, a hammer and metal and pound it out and, and place it on a stake and raise it up above the people. And the instruction to the people was this, that they could look unto that serpent and they could live. And so Moses did just that. He, he fashioned that serpent out of, out of metal and he posted it in front of all of the people. And, and those that had the faith to look upon it were healed from those poisonous bites. And those who did not look upon it died of the poison that coursed through their veins. In fact, this serpent is so significant in Hebrew history that when Jesus came and was speaking to the man named Nicodemus, he used that serpent as an illustration of what he would do. He describes in John chapter number 3 that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And this is a significant artifact. One that was not manufactured for paganism. One that was intended to be a representation of both of salvation and specifically of the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, as he was to come. But here in the days of Hezekiah, it was being used in a different manner altogether. For in verse number four, we read this. That Hezekiah cut down the groves, he break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. Listen carefully, for, un, for unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan, Nehushtan. You know, it's so descriptive of what happens in our lives many times. I know who I'm preaching to this morning. I believe that most, if not all of you, you, you desire to love the Lord, and here you are in church you knew to stand up when we sang and you knew to bow your head and close your eyes when we prayed. You were anticipating those words at the close of the prayer in Jesus' name, amen. For you know that we pray in the name of Jesus and it's by him that we have access to the Father. You know these things. They've become so familiar to us. Some of you out there, 
I was impressed with Brother Chris Elgin. You would give him a hymn number. And with the exception of, I think, just one of the songs, he knew exactly what song was on that page. I know one. Uh, no, I think I know two. Um, page number one in our blue hymnal is Love Lifted Me, isn't it? Right? No, it's not. See? They're perfect. My case in point. I, I really know one. Triple nickel 555 five, five is, I've got so much to thank him for. I know that one. Chris knows that that's what I call it. And sometimes I'll triple nickel, triple nickel, and he'll know. Hey, let's sing I've got so much to thank him for. And we know these things. We, we know how we're supposed to go through the motions in our prayer. We know the songs in our hymn book. Some of you knew when I said turn to 2 Kings chapter number 18 that that was about the reign of Hezekiah. Some of you are already familiar with this story. However, those children of Israel, when Hezekiah came, they knew the serpent too. They knew uh, the story, no doubt, of how Moses lifted it up and those that looked upon it were healed. They knew all about the serpent. They knew all about their religion. They knew all about their practice. Hey, listen up. This was their problem. They didn't know God. They didn't know God. And this is a great tragedy in our churches is that we come to church and we talk about God. We come to church and we talk about worship. We come to this place and we talk about praise. We open our Bible and we speak of it as it is in truth. God's word. We drive into the parking lot and we step into this place and we call it worship. But let me ask you, do you know God? Do you know his presence? Do you have a relationship with his son? Do you feel his spirit? Do you walk with his word? This world, this church, we don't need a, an image. We don't need a form of godliness. We need God. And we've gone too long settling for everything else. We've gone through, we've gone uh, to a place where we settle for religious liturgy. Oh yes, we'll criticize some of those Protestant denominations. We will criticize the Presbyterians and the Lutherans and the Episcopalians for having this liturgy that is all written out before them. Uh, for they have a, a certain form and a certain order that they go about. Uh, the Catholics, they have a prescribed order of service and, and, and they go through it with precise detail, believe that that is what God would have them to do. Have a form of godliness. But do they know God? And we as Baptists, we have our own liturgy. We come in and we sit in our liturgical pews. And if a visitor's there, we're upset about it. We come in and we place ourselves there and wait for the announcement video to begin. As it concludes, we anticipate the choir to stand and sing and thank the Lord for the choir. Oh, what an anchor they sang this morning. You look for me to come to the pulpit after the choir sings and say something fired up. We stand, we sing, we shake hands, we sit down. We receive an offering, we listen to special music, and then there comes the preaching. And many of us, we look to our watches and wait for it to be done. And I normally end around what time? I imagine that most of you probably know. 
1215-ish? What are we doing? What are we doing? I know what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be worshiping in spirit and in truth. I know what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be placing ourselves under the authority of God's word and under the conviction of God's spirit. I know what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be coming with hearts prepared, ready to worship the living God. We're supposed to be coming to edify and encourage one another. We're supposed to be coming to pray for even the Lord Jesus Christ himself declared that his father's house should be a house of prayer. But when we bow our heads, are we praying? When we lift our voices, are we praising? And when we prostrate ourselves on the altar, which do we do that? Do we bow ourselves in genuine humility before a holy God? as sinful man what are we doing because when opportunity arises we don't need some form of godliness we don't need to give someone a service order what we need is to give them and show them God oh why did Hezekiah destroy the serpent oh yes it used to have significance but they left the significance and just looked at the serpent they needed God Why were those high places, those groves, those places of pagan worship torn down? Because they weren't real. Religious formality is just as pagan as going to some grove to worship. Because either way, you are not focusing on the living God. When opportunity arises, what do we need? We need something real. Are you going to be the one to carry that to a lost and dying world? I see this as well. When opportunity arises, yes, we need something real, but you're also going to need some resolve. Some resolve. Here when I... When I, when I look to this passage, I, I can't help but, but place my, myself there in Jerusalem as the northern kingdom has, has fallen and now one of the mightier armies on the earth at that time is moving south towards Jerusalem. And here is this 25-year-old king knowing, not guessing, but knowing he doesn't stand a chance. Knowing he doesn't stand a chance against this, this mighty army. Knowing that in him dwelleth no good thing. And I, I, I look towards the, the close of this, of this chapter. And, and I, I have to just tell you what I see in my, in my Bibles. On the left hand column down near the bi- bottom of page 546 in my Bible. I see this little paragraph heading that says Samaria captured. Samaria captured. Samaria is, is that capital of the northern kingdom, but don't think like it's all that far away because it's right there in their backyard. It's within walking distance. You remember when Jesus left from Galilee and was making his way towards Jerusalem, he made those comforting words. He said those comforting words, I must needs go through Samaria. And Jesus gathered his 12 disciples and they walked To Samaria. And you know where they walked to after they left Samaria? They walked to Jerusalem. 
And there is this young king, 25 years old. He knows he's got something real, but the messenger comes in and and knocks on the door, bows before his king and says, oh, your royal highness, I, I have some news that comes from the battlefront. And Hezekiah says, come here, come here, tell me what is this news. They've got Samaria, they've taken it and they're marching south. They're so close that perhaps even off on the distance they can hear the feet of the soldiers echo off the mountains and valleys and valleys as they make as that army, that great host, makes its way up towards Jerusalem. Though God may have given you an opportunity to be salt and light in the earth, you're gonna need something real, but it's gonna take some resolve. You think everybody's just going to, to, to run to you and say, oh, great, looks like, like you've got the answer. Please tell us what to do. No, this world is full of negative people and gainsayers, those that seek to tear down and to destroy. And there's only going to be one response to all of this, and it's found at the very beginning of verse number six. Verse number six says, for he clave to the Lord. He clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses. If I were to look at the verse which precedes it, verse number five, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. He trusted, he put all of his confidence in the Lord. And we are going to have to have some resolve. Just because you have an opportunity to do something from the Lord, it does not mean that that opportunity will come to fruition and you will see the reward because many people begin the race well. Oh, we begin the year well with great resolutions of weight loss and exercise programs. We begin the year well with commitments for Bible reading and prayer. We begin the the year well to have uh, the best year in our marriage, the best year in our home, uh, the most uh, uh, fruitful time in our employment. Uh, But even though we may begin the year well, where do most of our New Year's resolutions come from? Previous failure. Failures of the past year. Boy, how many of us have had New Year's resolutions that have been the same every year for the past decade? (laughs) Why is that? It's because we are so prone to failure. Why do we fail? Because we lack resolve. I've said this so many times, I want to say it again. God does not just desire worshipers. He desires warriors. Warriors that are willing to go into the fray of spiritual battle. Warriors that are willing to stand as Hezekiah did in the face of enemies and in the face of adversity. You are going to need resolve when opportunity arises. Just because a door opens, it doesn't mean a gift is handed to you. But instead, we must strive together, the Word of God says. We must contend, the Bible tells us. There is a battle to be had and there is going to be opposition from within, there is going to be opposition without, and there is going to be a question of whether or not we will have the resolve to continue farther. And we must, when opportunity arises, take the resolve that Hezekiah did, for he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. It's not about the outcome that you can see with your eyes. It's about the outcome you can see with your faith. God needs us to have enough resolve to believe Him and His way. 
do we not believe that God's work done God's way cannot fail? Then our action should reflect it. God help us. For when opportunity arises, we need something real. We need resolve. And it's all because of this. Because we need the reward. We need the reward. Verse number seven. And the Lord was with him. I've been trying not to repeat myself this morning, but I must read that again. Did you hear what it said? It said that the Lord was with him. The Lord was there. I was listening to a story just yesterday about a man who was led to a to a church many years ago. And and as he come came, there was a great deal of criticism at that time. If I were to say the name of the, the church, you would you would know it. If I were to say the name of the man, you would you would know it. And at that time, many, many decades ago, there was criticism about this, this man going. And I, I heard a, a story of another man who was at a pastor's fellowship, and he was talking with others, and they were kind of criticizing, and they were all wondering, is that, is that going to work? Some, someone from the south going to the north to pastor a church. The north needs churches. Amen? We're my friends from New York. <laughs> it's good to have you here this morning. And I don't know if you ever heard the name Dr. Harold Seitler. He's a godly man. But he happened to be there. And he was real tight-lipped. And everybody was kind of curious, wonder what he thinks about this, because he was a prominent man at that time. And finally they turned to him and said, Dr. Seitler, what do you think? Is it going to work? And the man that was recounting the, the story, Dr. Bobby Robertson, said that, that Harold Seitler looked up with his glasses and in that gravelly voice, he said, if the Lord's in it, I believe he is. Became one of the largest churches in the country. You see, it's not by might or by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. We want to see revival. It's got to be by His Spirit. Oh, we want to see. We want to see the ability to take advantage of the opportunities that God has given to us. It's going to have to be by His Spirit. And the only way it's going to be by His Spirit if it's also by His hand. And if it's by His Spirit and in His hand, He's going to be, have to be the one that's there. And we have become, and I don't intend to be condemning in this, but we have become so accustomed to go through our religious formalities and we 
push him away. He brings genuine conviction and we do not respond. He chastens us and we don't like it. We harbor bitterness and we hold on to that more tightly than we hold on to the conviction of his Holy Spirit. And when God shows up, we have a tendency of getting locked back in to our routines. And like chains about our ankle, they get tied to the rope of our own routines. And we do not experience God. And God is not the one who is tasked and called to follow us, although it does say that he'll not forsake us. But we are tasked to follow him. What were the first words to Jesus, to his disciples? He says, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And we have become so accustomed to seeing that serpent and bowing down and bowing our head and standing up and sitting down. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with standing and sitting and bowing. What I'm saying is this. It better be real. It better be real. You know that the Bible says that that God inhabits the praise of his people. But that praise has got to be real. Do you know it says that he is near to those that are of a broken heart and of a contrite spirit? But when was the last time we've really been broken about our spiritual condition? Because when we are, he promises, I'll be there. I'll be there. We might have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. But unless we've got something real, unless we've got the resolve to stick with the Lord, unless we keep our eyes on his reward, we're going to miss it. The Lord was with him. And as a result, he saw victory. And the Lord was with him and he prospered whithersoever he went forth. And he rebelled against the king of Syria. Some of you have been spending too much time rebelling against the wrong thing. Rebelling against the Spirit of God, rebelling against the Word of God, rebelling against uh, your parents, rebelling uh, against the, the, the people that God has put in your life to give you godly, wise counsel. We spend all our energy rebelling against those things and none of our energy rebelling against the rest. I want to be a rebel. Some say you're a rebel without a cause. No, I got a cause. Look how rebellious I am. I'm taking my jacket off and I'm preaching. I'm rolling my sleeves up. I want to rebel. I want to rebel. And let me tell you some things I want to rebel against. That's right. It's fighting time. None of this foolishness. I want to rebel against my flesh. If my flesh wants to do warfare and try to drag me down, then let's do this. Let's declare war on our flesh. When was the last time we did that? When was the last time we rolled up our sleeves and took advantage of the opportunity that when temptation came, okay, temptation's going to come, I'm going to flee. I'm going to rebel against it. I am not going to give in to it. I am going to run to his word. I am going to seek his help. I'm going to follow after his spirit. I am not going to fail. I'm going to rebel. It's time to start rebelling against the right things. And by the way, you've got opportunity to rebel every single day. I'll tell you, it's hard work to rebel 
to rebel against your lazy eyes in the morning. I know I fight that battle, and man, sometimes that battle, I got to go two or three battles before I finally win the war, if you know what I mean. That blessed snooze button. But I'm telling you, we've got some things that we need to start rebelling against. We need to start rebelling against our jealousy. Quit looking around at what everybody or what you think everybody else has and what everybody else's religion is like and everybody else's faith is like and get with the Lord for the Lord was with him. I cannot say it loud enough. I cannot stomp my feet hard enough. I cannot pound this pulpit vigorously enough to get across the point that we need to start rebelling against the way we think, the way we act and get real with who God is. What do you need to rebel against? You need to rebel against your pride? Boy, a proud heart has caused many an ungodly rebellion. Maybe it's time to rebel against your pride the way that Hezekiah rebelled against the army of Assyria. So, Pastor Jared, I've tried that before. Well, you need to try again with something that's real. You've got an opportunity for it. This is the remedy that the Lord was with him. It's time to start rebelling against the right things. The Lord was with him. And I love this word, and I'm going to say this, and then we'll conclude. Verse 7, and the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth and rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. Served him not. To me, our opportunities come down to the question of who we serve. And some of us have forgotten how real our God is. We have forgotten that He's already purchased our redemption, given us grace, and we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. We've got something no one else has. And we've got the only thing that can fix anything, the Holy Spirit of God. But is He the one we serve? Because it's only when we serve Him that we find the reward.